There's no better deal for $4 than the Wendy's 4 for 4 meal. Start with our Junior Bacon Cheeseburger. Made with fresh beef and freshly cooked bacon, crisp all-white meat chicken nuggets, natural cut fries, and an ice cold Coke. All for just $4. No one makes $4 sound as good as Wendy's. Get more for four. The four for four meal deal. Now at Wendy's. Offer includes small fries and drink at participating Wendy's for a limited time. Prices may vary. Offer not valid in Alaska and Hawaii. Fresh ground beef available in the contiguous U.S. and Canada. Blog Talk Radio. Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world around us and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Nightlight. A reminder that you are never alone. And now your host, internationally renowned spiritual intuit, medium, channel, author, artist, lecturer, ordained minister, and good all-around girl, Ms. Barbara DeLong. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Nightlight. That was the magical voice of Ken Quiethawk inviting you to come in out of the <clears throat> mainstream and join us for a time to be sheltered from the storms of evolution and change, that which we laughingly call creation. Come and join it when with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and wisdom. These are times of change, times that call to the seekers, and you call that you answer that call from all walks of life and from countless aspects of the spiritual realms. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading your wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. We all come from different backgrounds and modalities from all walks of life, and yet there is a synchronicity, a commonality that draws and blends us together weaving us once more into a collective purpose, a common direction, and a united family once again. We go by different titles, labels, names, if you will. We call ourselves watchers, wardens, indigos, soothsayers, mystics, questers, querens, journeyers, lightworkers, lightbearers, spiritual empaths, shamans, the list. It, it just it goes on and on, and it is as unique and eclectic as are we. 
Yet we all have the same spiritual calling and we all in our own very individual ways bring light into this reality to facilitate the awakening and shifting of the consciousness for all of mankind. This is my own very private oasis in the turmoil we call evolution. So sit back, take a break, take your shoes off, share your lights with us, and join in the love, the light, and the laughter that spiritual energy always generates when lights are blended and spirits lifted. I'm a very hoarse Barbara DeLong, your host, and along with um, Lynn, Lynn Buss tonight, we welcome you in and hope you'll add your lights to ours to increase the energy and brighten all of our own personal lights. It's going to be an unusual night tonight. We are we are doing um, sort of a, a, a different type of show. There won't be any readings tonight. And those of you that are sitting in the queue, if you're waiting for us to to do readings, that's that's not going to happen tonight's information night. It's a night uh, to to learn to kind of sit at the feet of somebody who knows a great deal and actually be able to. Um, listen to wisdom from the ages, literally. Lynn is is an amazing numerologist. He has lots and lots of different degrees from lots and lots of places. He's studied probably longer than I have in the spiritual realm. And his first one of his books, now he has a, a number of books out, and the, and the very first book I ever ran across was Numerology for the New Age. And I wore it, <clears throat> I wore it out. I literally must have gone through three or four of them. It was just so amazing. And um, he recently has come out with another book called um, "For uh, The Heart of Numerology, which is Numerology for a new, the New Age Reworked with More Spiritual Information into it. And it's fabulous. It's, it's absolutely my Bible as far as numerology goes. Um, it's, it's the place I would go to. It's the information that I put the greatest amount of faith and confidence in. And um, it, it's amazing. His website is forevernumerology.com. It's just been facelifted, and it's absolutely beautiful. It has so much information on it. You'll, you'll read for days and days and days. And you'll learn a lot. Um, he he is has lectured all over the world. His books are sold all over the world. He is um, probably one of the most talented and gifted numerologists I have ever met, and I've met a lot of them. And and he brings a level of spirituality into everything that he says and does that profoundly impacts me and touches me. Uh, because, you know, of course, that's my foundation, and so I look for that in, in, in anything that anyone says. Um, he, is, he has uh, been on this show a number of times, and uh, we've had a couple of shows where we just talked and a couple of shows where we read, and tonight he's going to be talking to us about cosmology and numerology, a topic that, that is, is really fascinating. I'm going to bring him on so that he can sort of fill you in on, on his new, new book. Hello. Hi, Lynn. How Hello. are you tonight? Hello? Hello. Are you there? Yeah, right. I'm on two phones. I don't know which one you're getting me on. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get this. Okay, I, I'm, I'm on Skype. Can you hear me on Skype? Sure. Can hear you fine. Okay. So um, I'm glad we're connected oh, here. I wasn't wait, sure. Wait, wait a minute. I'm not sure. 
Well, yeah, I guess we are connected because I turned your microphone on, so I think we're fine. Um, can those of you in the in the chat room hear him? Just give me a signal or a sign. I'm I'm fairly certain sure they can. Okay, so I'm talking I'm talking on my cell phone right now. Oh, they can hear you just fine. And now I'm talking on Skype. Are you able to hear me on Skype? They can hear you just fine, Lynn. Okay, good. So tell me about, you, you said there was a new book out as well. Well, uh, my latest is um, Numerology of Astrology, Degrees of the Sun. Okay, hey, do you and, have your uh, cell phone on? Do you do you have your cell phone on as well? Yeah. Turn the cell phone off. It's echoing. Okay, can you hear me now? Yep, can hear you fine. Uh, okay, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's a kind of a, a venture into um, the interaction between um, astrology and numerology, and I've applied the degrees of the sun from a numerological point of view, along with kind of a basic knowledge that I have in astrology over the years. I'm not a professional astrologer or practitioner, but that was one of my first studies. I kind of basically understand the, the signs, the sun signs, and the qualities, and then I've taken that and then taken each of the degrees from a numerological point of view and put them together and um, come up with, I think, what's a pretty fascinating combination and unity and synergy of the two, two studies. Well, I, I have, I've shared your... I've shared your book with a couple of astrologers that I know, and they were very impressed with what you had done. So I'm sure it is, as, as, with, as with everything else you've done, researched up the wazoo. <laughs> then that, and hopefully um, added some intuitive inspiration, because when I was writing it, portions of it was similar when I first wrote Numerology for the New Age back in the 70s. You know, it just felt really really inspired and really intuitively guided, and um, I hope that comes across, and I hope it's true to the reader. Well, it seems it seems to be, from, from those that have, have read it, I have to admit that I'm not a numerologist, so that, you know, it didn't apply to me as much as it did to my friends who were numerologists, but they all refer to it on a pretty regular basis, and I would say that's high praise from from them. Well, thanks. I've gotten pretty good feedback from the astrology friends that I know that it hit right on, so fingers crossed. Well, I will keep them crossed. Now, what you're going to talk about tonight, you kind of want to give people a a kind of rough understanding of where you're going to go tonight? Yeah, it's a little bit of a venture for me, uh, Barbara, and we talked about this. I've been teaching cosmology of numerology for 30 years, and um, it's it's the part of numerology that I deeply enjoy the most. And, you know, we pay the uh, life coaches and these motivational speakers to tell us that we should do our life passion. And um, when I do the, the cosmology of numerology portion of my numerology workshops, it's where my heart flutters. It's where I'm the happiest. And um, but I've done it all these years with you know my trusty old blackboard and chalk sticks, and I thought I just had an inspiration one evening uh, when we were talking about what we might do that I'd like to just try to do it without visual effects. 
And where the inspiration kind of came from was years ago, I was doing the workshop and um, with my trusty blackboard and chalk, and they have this new one now, you know, the white white blackboard with uh, markers that erase. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, um, I took a break, and, and there was a lady in the workshop who was blind, and she stood up to say, you know, what you presented was so clear that I could see the whole thing the whole thing, you know, and it was so inspirational and so moving, and that came back to me the other night as I was thinking about this, and uh, um, I think I can present it in a way that is clear and um, hopefully touches the heart and touches the soul and, and connects people to the truth of numerology in a much deeper level than we've, we've ever talked about, really, and that's my anticipation, and I think it's going to happen. Okay. I'm so, all for it. So uh, to set it up a little bit, it's, uh, I've not done it, so I'm thinking that it's kind of like a little bit like guided meditation. It's kind of like storytelling. But to set it up uh, for the listeners, the information that influences me the most comes from a book that is my Bible of numerology and cosmology, particularly cosmology. And that book is The Cosmic Doctrine. And I think we talked about this a little bit in one of our other shows. It was written by an English author, Dion Fortune, or as they say over the pond, it might actually be Dion, but um, she was a, a well-known English um, kind of um, psychic and medium and occultist and published a lot, I think in the early 1900s and I think up until around 1950. And one of her books was distinctly different from all the others, and that's Cosmic Doctrine. And it says in the cover that um, this information was received. So this, was, this book was what we would call now probably channels, or what was called then transmediumship or mediumship. But it says in the cover that this information was received in 1923, 1924, from an entity who, in a previous lifetime, was a well-known world philosopher. And I've said before, my personal opinion is, I think it's the consciousness of Pythagoras. That's just a feeling. I don't, I can't confirm that with any, you know, kind of scientific or backing up. It's a heartfelt feeling. Uh-huh. And um, the conviction has been supported by the response and the truth that has come out of it over the years and the 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 reaction. So what, along with that, and two, two things that have con- kind of confirmed that to me is that um, I started out with this book in the mid-70s and I began to read it and it was hopelessly complex and I tried to do it my, in my head, which I was much more into that in those early years. And I would read it and I would put it down and I would meditate and I would read and I would study and I knew there was something there, but it was really difficult to break through in the beginning and then it began to fall together. And um, I gathered some friends to the house one evening and decided to try to teach it and I got about 15 minutes into it and said, I don't know how to do this. So we had a, a glass of milk and a couple cookies and visited and that was it. But eventually it came together and I began to teach it. And um, one of the confirmations came about 10 years later. There was a book published by a a physicist named Paul Davies. I think he's relatively well known. I think he's a professor or was at um, 
I believe, Arizona State. But this book came out in the mid-80s. It was called Superforce, and it was written in layman terms, layman's terms, but it was the sort of the current thinking in quantum physics at that time, and fortunately presented in layman's terms because I wouldn't have gotten it otherwise. But I began to read that book, and I went through it, and there was just an amazing similarity. You know, it was like they were almost saying exactly the same thing. But his was written, of course, in a more scientific manner and was presented from a, a, the perspective of quantum physics. Mine, of course, would be what I call esoteric cosmology. But they were just, I mean, it was just almost verbatim, although a slightly different language. And um, that was deeply confirming to me. And then, and uh, even in the last two, oh, few years, I would be watching the Science Channel, and they would have, you know, some of the latest theories in cosmology presented. And there would be a program, and they would, and they would go through it, and I'd be watching, and they would say, and cosmologists have come to the recent conclusion that da 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 da. -da. And I just, I would sit there and say, whoa, you know, they finally got that one. Because it's information that was presented here in 1923-1924. And uh, almost, you know, again, in a different language, but the same basic um, meaning and, and, and under, you know, co conceptualization of cosmology. So those two things have kind of confirmed it to me and just the truth that has come out of it and the response of people and... Um, I would highly recommend it to anyone who's interested in, in going the deeper step into what kind of is behind numbers and how, why they say what they say. And um, that kind of leads up to what I hope to do tonight. Okay. So it's been a, it's been a really profound journey for me and it just... It's, help take me to the, as deep as you can go and as I say as, as high as you can go and so um, we don't have interruptions for commercials right <laughs> no commercials nope where yeah. you, you've got a you've got as much time as you need so um, what I'm going to do is uh, that kind of sets it up and from here it's, it is kind of a kind of a journey, kind of a, like a guided meditation, as they say, or a story. So um, I would encourage the listener, if you can, to get comfortable. If you have a couch to lie down, if you have a recliner, if you're sitting behind your computer in an office chair, kind of stretch out, maybe put something under your feet. And I would just, I would say, to, if you try to listen totally in your head, it's going to get probably confusing and, and you may lose it more than if you just open up your heart and open up your soul and kind of let the higher self speak because that's where I, I truly believe this comes from and if I'm at my best, that's the level that I think that the information um, is presented. So, okay? Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Take a deep breath. <clears throat> so, we start with numerology is the study of vibration, cycles, and rhythm. And if you were to ask, well, what is the origin? When did numerology begin? The best answer that I believe I can present would be to say that numerology has its beginning when things begin. 
Or we could say that numerology began with the beginning. And from a scientific point of view, looking at the cosmos as we kind of understand it in our humble human way, that would be approximately you know, 11 to 13 billion years ago. And interestingly enough, when I started presenting this esoteric cosmology 30 years ago, the thinking was that it was about three to five billion years ago. So um, <laughs> we've all <laughs> aged uh, eight billion years in the last 30 years. And maybe that's why some of us are so tired. <laughs> so from that point of view, it sounds like a long time, but from an esoteric point of view, it's a blink of an eye. And we could say, if you wanted to get kind of picky, 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 you could say that the study of numbers, if you, if you pursue it deeply, can even give you a little peek into what happened before the beginning. And that gets a little tricky and, well, they can say, well, arguably, that's a theory that can't be proved. But that's where I would like to start for a moment tonight. Cosmic doctrine speaks of the unmanifest and manifestation. The unmanifest, obviously, is that which occurred before creation. And because we are a part of the manifestation, it's pretty difficult for that, virtually impossible, to really comprehend that. But being kind of curious humans that we are and, and you know, trying to fathom it, we, we sort of make up um, analogies or something to grasp it. But in the, in the cosmic doctrine, it says that the unmanifest is pure existence. It is the source from which all arises. It is the only reality. Everything else is appearance and becoming. So the, the analogy that I kind of use to get a hold of that is to think of it as the unconscious of God. It's all the powers, possibilities, potencies, but they haven't happened. Um, you know, uh, mystics and sages of the past have kind of given us a glimpse by calling it the great silence or the, the void or the great negation. And we think of it as just kind of a state of rest and harmony and um, a place of peace that passes understanding. And yet, within this state, is we might think of a desire. And we might think of that desire as the desire for movement. And eventually, the desire for movement becomes greater than the desire to stay in that state of being, or of um, cosmic homeostasis, if you will. And as a result, there is the beginning, the, the movement becomes greater, and that is the beginning of manifestation. We might say that space was moving, and that would be the beginning of the first vibration or the first cycle or the first movement, and that is, in numerology, the one. And at that moment, one is the one. There's nothing else. And that movement starts out now, but there's a curious effect upon that movement, and that, that effect is what's called maybe a second desire. And that second desire is the desire to go back to the state of 
unmanifest or of inertia to go back, if you will, to the cosmic womb. And so this second desire acts upon that first desire for movement and the effect is to cause that movement to curve. And if you can imagine now that curving movement is, is, it goes out into, for lack of a better word, interstellar space. And because it's curving over eons, for lack of a better word, of time, it comes back upon itself to form a huge, for lack of a better word, galactic ring. And the name given to this first ring is the ring Cosmos. So if you can imagine for a moment this ring is going out and curving and becomes a circle back upon itself to form that ring, it's spinning as it circles and comes back upon itself to form what is called the, the ring cosmos. And this would be a, 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 a clue to number one because at the moment that's all there is and it is in all inclusive, it is the one. The tendency of the ring cosmos is to move towards the center and its, in, and its tendency is towards evolution. And now, if you can imagine if that ring is circling into this vast, enormous uh, area of space, it's also spinning. And as it spins, as it circles, that spinning stirs up space around it. And by the time it gets back to where to, the, to complete, there's a lot of space that's been stirred up. And as a result of this spinning and stirring, a secondary motion spins off from the ring cosmos at right angle and in opposition to the ring cosmos. And this is an, another circling motion that goes out over a larger area because it is larger than the ring cosmos comes back upon itself to form a second ring, which is given the name Ring Chaos. The Ring Chaos. The tendency of the Ring Chaos is expansion and its desire is to go back to where it came. So the Ring Cosmos moves towards the center. The Ring Chaos is expanding and wanting to go back out to where it came from. And we have then the beginning of the first duality. And this duality is the, is the framework or the archetype that you know, underlies all of the dualities that will come. Uh, life and death, uh, day and night, love and hate, yin and yang, masculine, feminine, uh, positive and negative, etc., etc., etc. So as you can imagine now, we have a dance of these two polarities, and they're a bit unstable. And um, I'm thinking of the native traditions, you know, they speak of the, the original dance. In Hindu tradition, the dance of Shiva. Uh, from the Native American and other natural or native traditions, it's grandfather and grandmother. And um, they're dancing now. And they kind of, it's a bit unclear and unstable, so they're kind of attracted to each other and they kind of push away. And in cosmic terms, um, we have kind of the beginning of what would be uh, electricity and will become a magnetism and electromagnetism and the polarities and it's kind of, you know, coming toward each other and they kind of flirt and... Um, <laughs> 
it reminds me of a dance that I, I makes my heart kind of sing, and that is, you know, um, Papa loves Mama, Mama loves Papa, he goes left, she goes right, Papa's looking for Mama, but Mama is nowhere in sight. You know, um, it comes to my mind because, A, I'm a dancer. Hopefully, my cosmology is more clear than my singing. And, uh, but it, it, it also portrays a really accurate sense of the dance between this polarity. You know, there's the, the positives and positives, the negative attract, and then it becomes positive, positive, and they push away. And, and then Papa says, oh, well, where goes the mama? I'm so worried. And then they come back and says, oh, Papa says, oh, mama, coming back. I'm so happy. But it's still unstable. And, and grandmother and grandfather are looking for something lasting, something more to hold this relationship together. And so in cosmic terms, that sets up another spinning motion that comes out of the ring cosmos goes out into even a larger area of space, comes back upon itself to form the third ring, and this becomes known as the ring pass knot. The ring pass knot brings stability into this moment of manifestation, and it defines manifestation. Nothing of the manifest, manifesting uh, manifestation goes beyond the ring path not. So we have now um, an attempt metaphorically and symbolically to portray the dynamics of our creator or the, the attributes of deity or of God in sort of a symbolic way. The, the three, the prime trinity or the absolute. And the, to kind of give us kind of human terms to this, if you can imagine for a moment the, the rings as a circle in front of you and imagine an upside-down equilateral triangle inside of that circle and in the upper left corner we would give the qualities of um, the Divine Father or Father God and we might give that the attributes of will. In the upper right-hand corner we would have the Divine Mother or Mother God, the feminine attributes, and we might call that wisdom. And as a result of the interaction and the dance between grandfather and grandmother and mama and papa, we have the child, which is the product of their union, which we might call love. And so we have now, you, you can kind of get a, maybe a little more human uh, picture of the dance going on, the masculine, the feminine, the balance, the yang, the yin, and the Tao. And this represents the three attributes of deity and gives us a, another clue to numerology, one being the one. And in the beginning it is the one, and with two comes polarity, and the dance of polarity and the possibilities of um, other things to happen. And then the, as a result of the interaction and stabilization comes three which is the creator or creativity or the creation or creative energy. But here's kind of a, a, a very deep, I would hope, 
uh, understanding of the three forces that underlie all of what is to come. So now if you can imagine that each of these rings goes out into a huge portion of space, they are circling, they are spinning, and they are also uh, moving in what I can only describe as a gyroscopical manner. And to, to kind of make that hopefully more clear, the picture that helps me to understand that, if you can imagine for a moment an old 33 RPM long play album, <laughs> and for the young people maybe you could use a CD, but for the older ones, the old 33 uh, record, and you put that on a turntable, and if you can imagine that for a moment as the ring cosmos, and imagine now putting the needle on and it starts to play and it moves towards the center. And as it moves towards the center, all that is in manifestation is eventually re, uh, revealed. And if you can imagine now picking that record up for a moment and flipping it over to the flip side and then flipping it over again and then flipping it over again, uh, that would be what I can best call the gyroscopical motion. And then if you can imagine the ring chaos being like another photograph record for a moment that you would take vertically and place that so that half of it's below the turntable, half of it's above the turntable, and they meet, you know, in the little circle in the hole in the center where you put it on the uh, record down on the, I can't remember what you call it, spindle, for lack of a better word. And, and so now, hopefully this kind of gives a picture of the... Uh, rain chaos which spins off at a right angle in opposition to and it's also flipping and flipping and flipping and the ring chaos or ring path not is flipping and flipping and the outcome of this is to create if you can imagine a huge cosmic sphere take a deep breath And if you can imagine this dance now taking place, each ring is circling, spinning, and flipping, for lack of a word, uh, better word, gyroscopically, to form an enormous cosmic sphere. So we have now the attributes of deity, one, the one, two, duality, three, the creative force or creativity, or possibility for all sorts of things to come out of that. And enters then the fourth factor. Four is the number of uh, form. It is the number of structure. Um, it is the number of discipline and brings structure or definition into this evolving manifestation. So we have now three, the creative force of the divine creator plus four, the uh, consciousness of definition and structure. Three plus four becomes the sacred seven and the effect of creativity and definition is to, within this sphere, to begin to, to uh, it creates what becomes a definition or stratification of what, for lack of a better word, levels of consciousness, which become the seven cosmic planes. 
or seven levels of consciousness. We're not quite to consciousness, but the seven cosmic planes. Each of these representing a, a differentiation into, for lack of a better word, different levels of uh, manifestation. So from a cosmic point of view, we would think of starting with the oneness and pureness of oneness comes spirit, and then higher mind, and then the concrete mind, the astral plane, the etheric plane, and then the seventh cosmic plane would be the physical or material plane. So hopefully the listener has kind of a picture now of this vast potential cosmos with the, ra the rings and now the cosmic planes beginning to sort themselves into strata. And we have another clue then as to numbers. One is the one in the beginning. Two, duality. Three, creativity. Plus with the four, structure, formation. Three plus four, the sacred um, number and levels of consciousness at this point. It reminds me of a story that is told about uh, in the Pythagorean school. And, uh, there's an old story that Pythagoras used to say, do you want to know the secret of the of all numbers? And the students say, oh, yes, yes, master, please, oh, please. Well, then count. And so they say, count, yes, count. One, one, two, two, three, three, four, four, stop. Eh, stop. And he would say, if you understand those numbers, you will understand all that there is to understand. And so, if you think about that a little bit, now we have the three plus the four happening within this great sphere. And if you can imagine for a moment now, the three, those three qualities of deity, in the center they come together and they start to mix and mingle with each other and they begin to you know, do another kind of dance in the center of this whole thing and they push out yet another uh, manifestation and expression of uh, creation. And those, the, the derivative of this, these three energies pushing out times four, three times four now, become the 12 cosmic rays the 12 cosmic rays. And to help me understand that, if you have once again in front of you a horoscope, you know, the circle with the 12 houses. And if you imagine for a moment that these houses represent the 12 rays. So they come out from this center, they spin out from the center, and one of them, imagine going out along the first line on a horizontal to the left, and that would be the, the first house, an analogy, and that first ray spins out, goes out to the ring path knot, and it comes back to the center along the complementary ray, which would be the twelfth ray. And then imagine it coming back, and then it comes out along the second and goes back with the eleventh, and the third and the tenth, and the fourth and the ninth, and the fifth and the eighth, and the sixth and the seventh, if you can imagine now the 12 houses or 12 rays emanating out from the center and forming and, and uh, kind of breaking this circle into 12 segments, uh, sometimes known as the 12 faces of God.
Each of the rays has its own color. Each of the rays has its own vibration. Each of the rays has its own symbolic uh, archetype, which will later become um, important as we get closer to the material world. So here we have then an uh, uh, expanding uh, clue about numbers. One, all in all. Two, duality. Three, creativity. Three plus four, the seven cosmic planes. Three times four, the twelve rays, and uh, another sacred number. And here we also begin to get a clue as to the numerology of astrology because you have 360 degrees all of the possible ways at looking at manifestation. So the term given at this moment is the cosmos. The cosmos is includes the activity of the rays, which are the attributes of the deity. And if you can imagine now that the tendency of the ring cosmos is to move towards the center so that these, each of these three attributes are circling, spinning, and then contracting and expanding. <coughs> Excuse me, confirmation. <laughs> so when the ring chaos is stronger, this whole process expands until it reaches the ring path knot, and then the ring cosmos becomes stronger and the whole thing contracts, and it's all brought back and then expands and contracts. And these are the days and nights of the cosmos, the breaths of God, the cosmic breath of God. So at this moment, the term given to this moment is the cosmos. So uh, take a deep breath. You can kind of just get a hold of that for a moment. And now we're going to go from pure cosmos closer to understanding where we are and where we come from and the whole kind of connection. So kind of stay with me, if you will. And if you can imagine now, we're going to talk about the rays for a moment. So imagine one of these rays. It starts out, it, it starts from the interaction of the three attributes of deity times four and they push out, and so imagine one of those rays, it's circling now, going outward, and as it circles, it goes through each of the cosmic planes from every possible degree. Here's a deeper understanding, hopefully, of astrology and numerology. Each of the cosmic planes from every possible degree. And it, uh, and it travels now so that um, is it, until it reaches the ring path knot and then it returns along the complementary ray. So the, the effect is, if you can imagine this, are like little um, sine waves going out with the upper and lower loop. And then as it comes back, those sine waves are complemented by the negative loop to form like little infinities little infinity um, configurations. So you can imagine that for a moment. And this becomes the beginning of um, the, uh, a double helix, which is, at this moment, 
kind of like cosmic DNA, the beginning of cosmic DNA. And later, you'll find this reproduced, you know, in uh, probably um, some form in every life form. But here's a little clue. So, you can, if you can imagine now with those two loops of the rays, that you have a, two little sine waves going kind of above the, lo the line and then below, and then the complementary going below and above. So you have kind of an upper negative and lower positive. And the effect of this dance of the rays is to take this vast, huge cosmos, which, you know, at this point would be like Carl Sagan might say, billions and billions of light years. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I kind of like that for myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you can imagine now, it takes this huge kind of almost impossible to imagine event and breaks it into little segments. And in those little segments now, there's tension between the positive and negative within these little areas. And the tension creates what is described as tangential or lines of stress. And the names given in the cosmic doctrine are tangential. They're like little lines going between them where there's, uh, you know, the, the stress between the two. And um, eventually where those lines of stress or tangentials cross over, they begin to form like little, little vortexes like a, a little dance of, you know, little vortex, which is a replication of the original dance between the ring cosmos and ring chaos, but on a smaller or on another level. As above, so below, but in another manner. So we have these little, you know, um, beginnings of what are called primal atoms, little vortexes that form what are called at this point primal atoms, and uh, since uh, we've broken space down into smaller segments, and there are a lot of these um, tangentials, and we have a lot of um, stuff happening now, and eventually some of these um, atoms begin to uh, be attracted to each other, and they form what is called a composite atom, meaning they have more than one facet a composite atom. And if you can imagine now the, the structure of, the, of these composite atoms is a reflection of the plane upon which they exist. So on the first cosmic plane, there are basically three archetypal energies reflecting the nature of their creator. And so the atoms, the composite atom on the first cosmic plane are three-faceted, three-faceted atoms. On the second cosmic plane, they become four-faceted. On the third cosmic plane, they become five-faceted. On the fourth, they become six-faceted, and so on to the seventh cosmic plane, which are nine-faceted. And these become now the archetype for what will later be the crystalline structures on the physical plane, or the archetype crystalline um, structures that underlie and kind of represent the different uh, levels of consciousness and become the building blocks for what will be later planets and suns and all kinds of things. So here's another clue now to numerology. 
along with the 1, 2, 3, times 4, plus 4, are the atoms on the first cosmic plane, 3, and then 4, and then 5, and then 6, and then 7 through 9. And here you have the pure archetypes for numerology. 3 being creativity, 4 form, 5 would be life, 6 uh, responsibility, 7 the knowledge gain, 8 the putting together the laws of above and laws below, uh, cosmic laws into manifestation, and 9 being uh, perfection. So hopefully this gives the listener a, a kind of deeper sense of uh, the anatomy of numbers and, and why they say what they say and where they come from and these are also the building blocks to the entire cosmos to what in a moment will become suns, planets and then later life forms. And take a breath. So remember now that the, ray, the rings are expanding and contracting and these are the attributes of deity and now we have a cosmos and relative to the cosmos the activity of the creator has become unconscious but still affecting and the, and the cosmos is following the laws of the creator so we have now the days of the cosmos that are expanding and all of these rays and activity and what happens now is this expands and these composite, these composite atoms, as this process of expansion takes place, they start to move outward because now composite atoms have weight and they have mass. And they respond to this as centripetal force and they begin to move outward and they take the line of least resistance, which are the rays. So if you can imagine for a moment one of these atoms attaching to a ray and it begins to travel outward experiencing each of the cosmic planes from every possible angle. And that atom goes out along the first ray and comes back along the twelfth and then it goes out along the second and back along the eleventh and so on. And there are other atoms that are circling on the other planes according to their um, archetypal structure. And we have this vast, uh, increasingly complex uh, manifestation taking place. And as the, um, as the ring chaos predominates, the, all of these atoms eventually begin to move out until they reach the ring path knot and having gained that experience the ring cosmos becomes predominant and this whole experience now begins to contract and it's brought back to the center and to a point of balance and peace and harmony and rest and God saw that it was good and we have the first day of creation and the first cosmic night. So we have the first cosmic day and the first cosmic night and everything is brought back to a state of balance and harmony and inertia and rest. 
to the peace that passeth understanding. And God saw that it was good. Now eventually, the desire for movement becomes greater than the desire to stay in this rest and uh, the desire for movement overcomes the desire to stay and we have the beginning of manifestation only this time the second cosmic day and all of that I've described before us has goes through this whole process again and, and the whole uh, all of these events transpire but in a different way and what happens now on the second cosmic day is that these composite atoms start to travel. They feel the pull of the ring uh, chaos and the push outward, the centrifugal force. They start to travel outward and along the ray, but something happens because it's sort of like been there, done that. You know, we've, we've, we've done this before. So those, those uh, composite atoms of the first day travel out and to the appropriate uh, cosmic level or cosmic plane according to their facets and they start to orbit or circle what is now known as the central sun. So if it's a first cosmic plane it would be a three-faceted atom would be their inherent archetype and their um, uh, crystalline ar ar archetype that will manifest later in structure and on the seventh cosmic plane, they would be uh, nine-faceted. So what happens now is these um, composite atoms begin to orbit around the central sun. They are now passing through the different sectors of, um, of, the, of the cosmos through the 12 facets of God and they've been out on the rays, and they've been through the cosmic planes, and as they travel through the different faces of God, they begin to become more aware of those faces and attributes, and they begin to awaken, and they become uh, co-creators, or they become a lesser deity. And the term we give at this point is a solar logos. They begin to become uh, what we will know on our level, sun. And having all of the knowledge and experience from their creator and from the cosmos and having traveled through all these levels and rays, they remember this and, and they desire to be co-creators uh, within this uh, evolving cosmos and manifestation. So now we have rudimentary suns. And the sun that we're going to be most concerned with would be a seventh cosmic plane sun, which if we were to look up in our sky would be our sun. And if we were to look at night would be the stars that we see, which would be seventh plane uh, suns. So now we're getting a little closer to kind of understanding where we fit in and where we come from because we have the potential now for um, a galaxy and a universe, but we're not quite there yet. So if you can imagine now, one of those solar logos 
a solar logos on the seventh plane, and let's say specifically our sun, and having become aware of itself as a creator, that solar logos then extends a thought form of itself, or we might say it projects its aura into a portion of that cosmos, organizes it under the laws of creation and like itself, and begins to form what will become a universe or basically a solar system. It reproduces, but in another scale, the rings and the rays and its own process of uh, birth and rebirth, and eventually sort of mimicking the universal or the cosmic process, but on a universal level, uh, begins to create planets and its own universe or its own solar system. So take a deep breath. We're getting close to home. Trust me, the story's going to end in not too distant future. So if you can imagine now we have the beginning of um, a basically a solar system. We have a solar logos that evolves or um, orbits around a greater sun, which orbits around a greater sun, which all eventually are orbiting around what is the central sun and the original creation process. And these um, suns, being having this creative potential, now have created their own children or planets and their own um, uh, um, original expression of um, these cosmic principles. And now we have a planet, and we're concerned with a planet on the seventh cosmic plane. And from a universal point of view, we would be call it a, a planet on the first plane, which means the plane of matter. We're not quite there yet, but <clears throat> you can imagine now we have a planet, and that planet has actually replicated the cosmic laws, but in a universal sense, and has developed now its own bodies, and so we're thinking now specifically of a first plane planet, which means material plane now, seventh cosmic plane, but first universal plane. And we have that planet now orbiting a solar logos, and it becomes like a planetary logos or planetary deity and enters into the, this whole process, a term called epigenesis. Epigenesis allows each of the life uh, creative forces to express its own particular uniqueness and potential. Without that, everything would sort of like be cloned, you know. They would all follow cosmic principles and they would all have cosmic design and it'd be kind of a big clone cosmic universe. But with epigenesis, there is, it allows, kind of think of it as uh, an extension of free will perhaps, but it allows each one to have a distinctly different imprint or blueprint and manifest in its own uh, extraordinarily unique way. And so eventually comes out of the, planet, the sun that we're talking about, a planet that we will call for the moment planet Earth. And now the planets go through their own kind of uh, replication of, of these laws and evolutions that we've described, but in a slightly different manner. 
And the planets eventually go through um, a process that they've formed their seven bodies now, and there come forth waves of what are called um, flames of uh, generation, flames of uh, manifestation on a planetary level. And these waves of flames or sparks form what basically is the archetype of what will be the mineral kingdom, the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, the human kingdom, and then three kingdoms, if you will, uh, on the next three uh, levels of planetary consciousness. So we have a planet now that we'll call Earth as a rudimentary evolving life form uh, an evolving um, mineral life, uh, plant life, animal life, and enters then what we call the divine sparks or the human sparks. You might think of the human sparks as entering on the fourth level, and if you remember on the fourth level, the archetype is the hexagram or the re reverse triangle, as above, so below. And the human spark comes into that level with the potential for awareness to become aware of itself on all seven levels. And so eventually that spark immerses itself into mineral, plant life, animal life, human life, to experience after experience, incarnation after incarnation, and that divine spark or potential, which is a reflection of its creator, begins to become aware of itself on every level of the planet from every possible angle. So we've covered now the story of numbers from a cosmic point of view, kind of quickly through a, a systemic or universe into um, a solar system, into a planet. And we have now the, the, an understanding, hopefully, or kind of a clue to the, to the archetype of numerology, astrology, Kabbalah, the tarot, the I Ching, uh, the DNA molecule, the basis to music, the basis to colors, uh, mathematics, in you know, a kind of archetypal form. And, and we're talking now about a, a human, uh, the divine spark, or what we might call the higher self, that is immersed into all of these, you know, into this planet to learn all of the levels of consciousness and to become aware of itself on all levels and to become aware of itself as a co-creator. And eventually we have the potential then to go out and become a co-creator and take a portion of space and organize that portion of space and participate and add to the process of manifestation and creation and evolution. So uh, take a deep breath. It's kind of the end of this part of the story. Um, we've covered 13 billion years in roughly 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> hello? 
Hi. <laughs> I think uh, I think I did pretty well. I think you did spectacularly well. I think that um you know, just from just from you know, understanding that you were describing the creation of creation is is fascinating. And um of late I've been working with a with a number of people on the foundations of spirituality and of course you 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 covered as above so below and the law you know we've been looking at the different laws and of course they all come into play in the creation yep. of creation and yep. you know the law the law of polarity and cause and effect and and, and as above so below certainly so so it's fascinating to see them all represented in a different form well, so, I hope that you know, if you if you try to follow this in your head, it gets kind of complicated, and it's like, what the hell is he talking about, Myrtle? And what are those planes? And where are those rays? But you know, <laughs> if you listen to it from the heart and from the soul and from the higher self, it I just I you know to me it speaks truth and it has so much truth, and it just helps tie together a lot of these things that we've been studying for a long time and gives them a different sense of continuity and it just kind of it kind of just pulls a lot of things together and that's what I've heard for years you know I've had people come back and they say Mr. Buck you remember that cosmology you did 10 years ago I didn't know what the hell you were talking about but all of a sudden it all makes sense and yeah, it does you and know, truth is truth it does it just it something goes click and it just helps put a lot of things together that are kind of running around out there and uh, that's why it's my great love you know um, if I don't enjoy I think there's nothing I enjoy more maybe dancing but and uh, teaching this and presenting it and uh, uh, usually with my blackboard and chalk it takes about an hour and 45 minutes give or take a little bit so uh, I've cut it in half <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, you know, I think the fact that it it is an ongoing process is fascinating. It's not it's not like it just happened once and never again. It's just it, there's a, a spiral going on here. It's it's something that yeah, it never stops. It's it's constantly evolving and constantly expanding, so that so that you know there is no end to it, which is phenomenal. Yep. And the other thing is that. From a human point of view, we say, "Well, oh, God, that's 13 billion years ago. That's really hard to fathom." Well, yes, it is 13 billion years ago. But the other thing is, it's right now, and that yeah. is the dance. It's right now. That's where I've been. You know, I've been dancing as a dancer, and um, I've danced through the universe. And um, I, to me, this is not just abstract. It's a living process. I've lived it. I've gone out there and come back and um, been touched deeply by the experience and uh, and that's what I would like to convey and encourage you know others to hopefully you know move them a step towards their um, their wholeness <laughs> yeah I think so many people get so caught up in the physical reality that they don't realize that we are a part of a greater picture and a and a greater sense of evolution and growth and development and that that yeah. this is only this is only a very small piece of something yeah. that we have been 
a part of uh, cellularly and and spiritually since the beginning of time. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the world is in chaos, but it's not just the world in chaos. It is a systemic event. All of the planets are doing things that they've never done before. You know, we talk about what is this big thing about uh, the heating of the earth? What is that called? I forget the... Global warming. Global warming, yeah. Those big hurrah, you know, and emissions and blah, blah, blah. Well, the interesting thing is Pluto's got global warming. You know, Pluto's warming up, and so are some of the other outer planets. It's not just Earth. It's a systemic event, and it's not just a systemic event, meaning our solar system. It's a galactic event. And, and this is one way of expanding your awareness to dance not only with the society but with the planet, with the, uh, the, the dance of the spheres, our, you know, our solar system, and galactic things which are changing. It is a change of consciousness, and we are on the verge of a new world. This is kind of a, a symbolic or metaphorical way of participating in that dance or moving closer to the dance. Yeah. Um, now, let me ask you something. You know, there are theories about how we, we live in um, past, present, and future all at the same time. Does I this believe apply that. To, I, I, yeah, go ahead. No, no I just was going to say, does this apply to this theory as well? It does, because, I mean... We are part of all the planes, and everything is happening right now. And I, I, I understand that intuitively, but I can't, I don't know how to grasp it intellectually, you know. But I do know now that everything is happening at the same time. And we look at things linearly, like we look at past lives, you know, like I lived here 200 years ago and there 500 years ago. But the reality is you're living there right now, as well as then. And I, I, I don't know how to present, what, what I don't know how to present is, that clearly, but I, I know it's true. I think you need a three-dimensional hologram to explain this because it isn't, as you said, linear. It isn't, it isn't you know, past, present, future. Linearly, it is yeah. um, all interwoven so that... So that um, wow. Time is time is something that man created. It has nothing to do with the universe, and exactly. and you know, it, time is something that we 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 placed upon in order to measure circumstances and things. But there is no clock big enough for what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and they talk, you know, you know, about bending space and curving and going through shortcuts and things. And I I know that it's true, but I. It's a struggle for me, you know. I just don't have a scientific mind. I have an intuitive mind, and I have an intuitive grasp where I know something is true, but I don't have the w- a way to describe those. And that's where science is, is merging with what we would have called years ago meta-science or metaphysics. It, it, it's coming close, but they are, they're fighting close us all close, the way. Yeah. Um, Very close. But, but, you know, it's, I think what, what is also... Um, fundamental here that, that that many people will kind of um, balk at and argue with, and yet is so clear that it's it's clear as the nose on your face, and yet they're not going to want to grasp at it. Is that 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 part of creation that that we are that we are a part of 
is it is a part of a process, it, not so much as a person, but it's a process. And, and you know, um, it, it's a consciousness. And I, I love the way you explained it. I, I you know, it, it's, it's a consciousness taking form, which but is... Yeah, it is. That's why I love the dance metaphor, you know. And, yeah. um, well, it leads me to where I am in numerology, and that's what I call the dance with what I'm calling the perpetual atom. And the yeah. perpetual atom is that part within us that has that trinity, and it's just it's a matter of aligning to that atom because that atom resonates to the cosmos and to the and to the solar uh, logos into the planetary logos, and it uh, it all comes down to there's a time to expand, there's a time to move, there's a time to bring it in, and there's a time to balance it, and that's all. It's that simple, and I, and I call it the Goldilocks principle. And I was teaching Goldilocks, interestingly enough, 30 years ago, and now in in cosmology, one of the most recent um, cosmological terms discussing this is the Goldilocks enigma. <laughs> and uh, I find it fascinating because, you know, as I say, I used the analogy 30 years ago, and that is it, it's all very simple. You're either pushing too hard or you're resisting or you're just right, and that's it. It's that simple, and I've learned that from dance. You know, when you're dancing as a lead, if you push your partner, end of dance. If you are pulling your partner, end of dance. If partner is resisting you, end of dance. If partner is trying to control, end of dance. But if you are leading and partner is in harmony and connected, it's just right. And uh, I've had cosmic moments in, in, in ballroom dancing that I've written about. We talked about this before. I've got oh, yeah. a couple articles on my website and out on the Internet called The Cosmology of Dance that um, depicts that. Um, and so it's very simple, you know, it's just coming to resonating with that inner dance. But it's not easy because, you know, we've got chemical imbalance, we've got etheric imbalance, we've got emotional imbalance, we've got mental imbalance, and we've got distorted spiritual imbalance. And then we're, we're operating in a society that is totally toxic and dysfunctional and completely out of balance, you know, Mondo Kani world out of control and it's hard to, to to stay centered and to stay balanced and to stay in the moment oh my god yes but you know i, I want to get back to that singular cell because you know that singular cell that that breath of the infinite that spark of creation that all of us carry um such a precious uh such a precious cargo to take through a lifetime and and all of all of the laws all of the rays all of the things that you talked about are part of of our dance our process through lifetime after lifetime after lifetime and and all at the same time but but you know it's it's sort of understanding that that we we are merely a speck of an amazing symphony that is going on at this very same yeah. moment in time. Uh, yep, 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 absolutely. One huge grand orchestra. Mm-hmm. 
and 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 we aren't even the instruments; we're the notes. Hmm. I'll ponder that one. <laughs> we can also be an instrument. Uh, yeah, I think we we're could learning be. to be instruments. Don't you think we're learning to be instruments, not just responding to that note? I think with awareness you become an instrument, but it has yeah. it takes a long time to get that awareness. And up to that yeah. moment in time, you're a note. You're flowing in harmony with other, with other notes. You're you're beginning to understand the rhythm and and the tempo, and you're beginning to understand what goes into all of it. And when you understand what makes the music, you can start to create it or help to create it. But in doing that, you have to learn to work with other instruments. um, Yeah, that's the dance. Yeah. That's how I teach numerology. I try to teach that, you know, the way I try to teach it is to say, you you learn about your numbers and you you become more in harmony with yourself and then you learn the numbers between people and how to dance in harmony with others and then with the planet and then with the solar system and then with the cosmos. And so one of my favorite saying is don't get caught in the symbol and miss the dance. Right. And so many people do that. They 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 take an intellectual approach to something that has an emotional base, and they don't understand why they can't make it work. Yeah. Well, it's happening. I've been, you know, I've, I've done a lot of scanning in the numerology sites, and there's just there's so much of that, you know. Like, oh, you're a four. You're going to have to work hard all your life. <laughs> you know, and, and it doesn't it doesn't work that way. Yes, you've chosen to learn discipline. You've chosen, maybe you've been lazy or undisciplined. You've chosen the four to work with that four. But when you understand that four and you apply the discipline, there's a lot of time to play. And that's Oh, fine. my God, yes. And uh, well, there are a lot of times, you tell you, it's not like you're a burden. Like, well, you're going to have to work hard all your life. And there are a lot of people in numerologists will say that, you know. Oh, you're going to have to oh, work yeah. hard all your life because you're a four. And uh, that's, not, it's, that's not how it works. It's not limiting it's learning the dance to be free. Yes, and and not only that, embracing it, and and expanding on it. I mean, I, I I wrote something a while ago that you know, don't be don't be defined by your label. And and it's it's you know yes that may that may have impact on that number may have impact on your life, but it's what you do with it that that creates your reality. Yeah. It doesn't define you. You define it. Exactly. And and that's that's a difficult thing for for a lot of us to to grasp, to hold on to, <laughs> and to then yeah, manifest yeah. through. I, uh, I mean, I I've gotten stuck in my own stuff, and you know the the pitfall of uh, being an author is you write something and then you have to believe it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, get trap, you know. And uh, I've had to let go of a lot of old concepts. And, um, you know, I look back at some of my writing and people sort of hold me to some of the things that, well, you know, that was then. And that's why I've um, I've recently, as you've noticed, have changed my website. It actually still will respond to Forever Numerology. But I'm calling it, it's actually a new website, and it's called Numerology Rising. And um, I... 
I think it reflects uh, the change in my consciousness because you remember wading through the other one and how much the new one reflects. I think a new a new consciousness and a a new me. I kind of like to hope that's true. <laughs> well, yeah, I would I would tend to agree with you. I think the new one. Um, for, first of all, I applaud whoever put color into it. Um, that was my choice, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> well, I you know, the background and, the, and then I put some of the planets in there. You know, the one that I really love is that little blue planet rising up over the horizon. I don't know if you noticed that. I think it's Uranus, actually. Yeah, I just I I, I remember looking at it and saying, "Oh, thank God, he's got color in here finally," um, be, because the other one, you know, while it. It wasn't that it was depressing, but it was it was dark. You know, the colors were just dark. It had nothing to do with what you were writing because what you were writing was perfectly wonderful. But um, the new stuff was just—it's um, beautiful. I mean, it's 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 got color. It's got—it's um, it, a happier sight. Well, if you can understand, we've talked about this. You know, I've been wrestling with my own demons and my own darkness for years and struggling, and, and you know, Scorpios always make it more dramatic than they have to. And um, and I've come through a lot, and I've cleared a lot of my crap out, and, and I think it's reflected that I'm, I'm getting lighter. I think you see that. I'm getting more colorful. I think you see that. I'm getting oh, more yeah. playful, I would like to hope. And um, I, I think the new site does definitely kind of uh, and the other one was a little more technical you know and like the the actual opening was supposed to be going from a, a black hole you know going from one dimension through a black hole and into a new dimension and it was supposed to cover the whole screen and it, you know as the resolutions changed it kind of got smaller and smaller and meaningless but well anyway it's gone and uh, I'm really pleased with the new and Apparently other people are too because it's really getting attention and and um, increase in response and good things. Oh yeah, no, it 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 really. Um, I I just think that it it just is so much more representative of of who you are. I know that with uh, numerology for the new age. Um, I told everyone, don't read the introduction; you'll never get to the book. But um, <laughs> I mean, you you. It was very serious, and it was very deep, and it was very, it was very very intellectual. And then as soon as yeah. you got to the other stuff, everything just took 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 on a new life, and it was exciting. When you did um, when you did the heart of numerology, um, which I I believe was a rewrite, right? Well. I, I wouldn't. It is a rewrite. It's an evolution because, um, as I, as I said in the cover, um, when I wrote numerology for the new age, my vision was what has become the heart of numerology. That's what I saw, but I wasn't there. You know, I had to grow up and I had to live the truth and I had to deal with my own stuff. And it was, you know, numerology for the new age was a vision and a dream and inspired. Much of it was inspired, but I hadn't lived it. And and what I would say about the heart of numerology is I put it together with life, and I think it's a little lighter, 
and, and filled out with a little more uh, human and less intellectual and more a um, little bit more playful and uh, emotionally oh, connected because I'm no, no. kind of coming out from my own hiding and my own crapola and, uh, you know, becoming no, more I, available. And no, for, forever numerology. Um, et cetera, Yeah, no, the heart of numerology is, is a delight to read. I mean, it's and, – and for me, what, what, I, what I think is so in, in, entrancing about it is that, that you didn't just stick to num- – in, in the first book, you stuck right to numerology. But, but in the heart of numerology, you're actually weaving the spiritual into everything that you're saying. And it, it, it resonates so beautifully. It's so awfully clear that you have lived those lessons. And, and, and yeah. you don't mind sharing them. Yeah, finally. Not, not easy for Scorpios to do, you know, to reveal their hidden stuff. <laughs> well, you know, those of us that have been around for a couple of years, um, are the best teaching tool that we have is is our own challenges as we've come along the pathway. And, you know, I, I, have, I made a, a five-year career serving in the pulpit every week, you know, giving people another mistake I had made and and explain how it was probably not the smartest way to go and and telling them, make your own mistakes. I've made this one and this is what happened and this is how I grew. And and yeah. I think that it is our it is our journey along the pathway. It is the challenges we have, those things that knock us down and that we have to get up from and and, you know, kind of um approach a different way in order to make sure that we, we keep going forward. And, you know, I, and the reality is we're constantly being given those challenges just like everybody else. And, yeah. It, it, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I sometimes sit back and think, you know, there has to be a point in time where you get a buy, you know. <laughs> you can, you just, <laughs> can I take a buy this round? You know, I mean, it, it, it's, kind, it's kind of like, I understand that we're here to learn, and the way we learn are the are the challenges that are presented to us. But sometimes it's just ridiculous. Oh uh, yeah, well, I get I've gotten really weary myself, and uh, sometimes you know, just what am I doing here? Well, among other things, you're but, teaching beautifully, and and I, have you have you considered putting this whole presentation up on YouTube? Um, I'm guessing that someone will. I don't know how to do it. It's really easy. It's really easy. I'm guessing that someone will. As a matter of fact, I thought about that, and I just have a feeling it's going to happen. So. Yeah, I would. I would talk to your but son it's in about your archives. So it does, you know, it's in, it, I mean, it's going into your archives, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So it'll be available, but I, I'm guessing that eventually someone will do that. It'll end up on YouTube. I, I, don't, I don't know how to do it. I might be able to get someone that I know to do it. Well, actually, um, if you don't want to redo the whole thing, but, but, but that might be a good idea for you to do, but if you don't, you could even take this archive, put slides behind the audio, and put it up on YouTube. Well, that's a good idea, actually. Um, uh, that yeah. inspires a whole 
Thank you. That inspires a whole host of possibilities and ideas, you know. Um, I don't know. Have you ever been in Atlanta by any chance? Have I ever been to No. Atlanta. Well, I lived in Atlanta, and um, east of Atlanta, there's a big rock uh, mountain called Stone Mountain. I think it's about 600 feet tall from, you know, from the ground up to the top. In, uh, in the summer, they used to do a laser show on that, if you can imagine having a 600-foot screen. Oh, wow. And I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful to do this with lasers and things, to do this whole cosmology on the Stone Mountain, 600-foot high screen? It just it could be just, you know, in the music and the lasers and the whole graphics and things. Could, that was one of my fantasies that, well, you never know, could happen. <laughs> well, you know, it's it sort of see it, believe it, and make it happen. Yeah. I'm but, sure uh, you can. You said, all of a sudden, what you just said gives me a whole lot of ideas as to uh, possible graphics and, and, um, that could be used to 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 allow the person to connect what has been said verbally. Because it sure, seems to me that it came out. My feeling is just uh, watching it go through me is to say that it seemed to come out pretty clear, you know, from my point of view. Uh, no, it did, and and I think that that um, you know, I, there are a number of people that will listen to it, you know, a couple more times to kind of grab the whole thing. It's you know come on this is a little overwhelming, and and yeah, um, I know that some people are just going to be freaked out and but you know it's a, it's like I say I've had people come back years after the cosmology and say you know I didn't know what the hell you were talking about but all of a sudden it makes sense and I you know or people would say I have no idea what you're talking about. But something inside is completely changed, that kind of thing, you know? Oh, sure. <laughs> you can't get it intellectually. You, you know, you can get a, hardly a hold of it. It, it. It's not an intellectual thing. It's, it's got to be taken into the heart and soul and, and experienced. Yeah, and I kept, you know, when, as you were going along, I kept seeing, you know, the, the spheres and the rays and the loops and everything. It was really... Um, <laughs> I, I didn't, you know, and, and then, then I would, you know, be jerked back by, especially when you got into universal laws and stuff, it was something that was like, oh, wow, that applies here, too. And, and then, then it all, it, you know, pieces clicked. And, and yeah. it's a fascinating way of explaining creation. Well, I think so. I mean, it just, not because it's me, but because... What has happened inside of me doing it, and what has happened to people? Because it is, you know, it is deep truth, and it connects truth to truth. And yeah. um, as I say, I mean, what I've just done underlies everything. All of the symbolic systems, DNA, double helix, music, math, art. I mean, they're it's rudimentary archetypal, but archetypal to all of those things. Well, yeah, and you even brought in the chakras, and I mean, it all flows together. Well, and there. Yeah, that's yeah, what, that's, there. yeah, that's what's so so fascinating about everything, because you know we we learn the pieces separately, and so many people just don't put them all together. 
because so many people have studied the different rays or the different this or the different that or the chakras or whatever. And most people will study just just one piece here and one piece there and not understand that they're interconnected. That you know, it, it's it's like, well, I studied the seven rays, or I studied the twelve rays, or I studied yeah. this, and yeah. and yeah. and it's it's it. You know, they are not exclusive; they are exactly. all encompassing. They're all connected together. <clears throat> Unless you have yeah. all the pieces, you don't you don't you don't you don't see the the total picture. Yeah, that's what. Um... They're all interconnected, and that's kind of what this does. And now you understand why it's such a joy to do this. You know, I I always come alive when it comes to this part of the workshop, doing the cosmology. I just, I'm, it's just uh, an infinite joy to do that. Well, and and I can tell you saw it all in your head while you were talking about it. There was a picture show going on inside of you. Yeah, it's kind of true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's new to me, you know. That's why uh, we were talking about doing the show, and um, I told you how I was awake one morning, about 3 or 4 in the morning, and then pondering, and then all of a sudden it just hit as clear as could be, you know. It's time to do it, and it's time to let go of the crutches and, you know, as I say, the old dependable blackboard and chopsticks. um, Yeah. And let it be a living experience. Well, you know, I think that's one of the cool things about you. You you are always reaching for something a little bit new, a little bit different, a little bit more unique. And that's exciting. I so many people, especially in in in, in the um let's call it the metaphysical venue here, um, they have a gift and they stick with it and this is what I do and I really do it well, and, and yes, you do. But 20 years from now, they're saying the exact same thing, and they yeah. haven't grown, yeah, yeah. And, and they haven't yeah. changed. And yeah, I've seen that. You, I've been looking at, in numerology, particularly. I've been looking at exactly what you're saying. And truthfully, and you, you know, to, I presented these concepts 30 years ago, and I thought that numerologists would pick up on it and develop it, and and I mean, basically, it's been ignored. And I, I've addressed that. I don't know if you read my article about an old-timer reflecting upon numerology. No, I didn't see that. Well, it's kind of fun. It's a grumpy old man airing out his frustration. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, I call it uh, old practitioner reflects upon numerology and the missing trinity. Yeah. Well, well you know... But, well, but, is that we have a little a little uh, moment to deal with that, and part of what I present is that um, the thing that I've mentioned is that, and I've, I've seen this all my professional life, numerologists absolutely do not work together. They, every one of them think they've got it, and no one else has it, and they don't share, and they don't cooperate. And, there's, you know, if you, if you look, there's no collective body of numerologists. There's no American society or national society or international, and um, I was actually a part of one in the 70s that tried it, and it lasted a few months and fell apart because of egos and pettiness and uh, all that crap, you know. 
Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I presented in that article is that it partly, I believe, comes from um, Pythagoras. And, you know, you get some hints in the written uh, history about him, but uh, mine comes from, I think, kind of what I would say firsthand, because uh, Pythagoras had a, a little bit of an issue with pride and arrogance, and um, and there were two separate schools within the Pythagorean school, and there were what would be the esoteric numerology, which is more what I'm teaching, and the cosmology, <coughs> and some of the more, you know, uh, higher <coughs> intuitive things, and then the exoteric, which was the mathematics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there was a lot of competition and, and a lot of uh, tension, and, and uh, I, think, I think it partly uh, reflects upon Pythagoras that he had some issues with his own um, arrogance and um, and it's, it's reflected through the the separation and it's I, I put out another one called will numerologists ever get organized because it's sort of a request and petition and suggestion that hey you know maybe we start maybe we might benefit from starting to to work together and put our knowledge together and form a a more cooperative uh, effort and and bring back numerology to the place that it deserves to be and that's a very high level science and sacred mathematics and um, you know sacred art well you're you're asking them to let go of their egos and work together that's a tough thing yeah well i've had to struggle with it mine for 70 years and it hasn't been easy you know I'm trying, and it's not easy, you know, because uh, it's just how we're, we're kind of constructed on this planet. But I'm beginning to think the ego is the hardest and last thing to go to get, well, you know, yeah. to get to our oneness and our true unity. Yeah, and, and to let go of your ego doesn't mean that you totally become a nothing. It means that you, you you kind of mellow it down so that it blends well with others instead of dis, instead of needing to be different and needing to be a leader or needing to be in the spotlight. And and uh that's a tough one. It really is. And and uh yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I, I certainly it's a it permeates numerology and uh, I as I say I think uh, I think it's a reflection upon the teacher and um, I sort of mentioned briefly in passing in the article I I have a feeling that it's a pretty um, accurate insight because I kind of remember being there. Oh yeah. In the, oh yeah. In the Pythagorean school. And I'm I, I think I'm the first one to say that and open it up and acknowledge it and hopefully it will bring you know more openness and get out of that separation of egos and and put together a real a, a true professional professionalism of the study of numerology well it's the cool thing about it is that that there are so many different paradigms that encompass all of this and everybody's right and nobody's wrong and and that's where i think is that that is in effect sometimes a stumbling block 
everybody has a piece of the puzzle. And, and you know, they all do fit together eventually, but it takes time. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But this is, I mean, what you, what you presented tonight was just amazing, and, and I can't thank you enough. I mean, this has uh, yeah, yeah, been good. an education. Yeah, it feels really good within my own heart, and I, I knew it was going to be, and I, I really appreciate that you gave me the format and the trust to do it, because without that, it wouldn't happen. It's, you know, there was some nervousness and and doubts, but uh, the deeper truth said, this is going to work, Lynn, and you've got something here very important. Oh, I would I would agree with you, and, and happily, it's in archives, so it will live forever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I do. I really do appreciate that you, as I say, that you gave me the format and the trust and said, go ahead and do it. Uh, I sort of expected to say, well, that's a little iffy and a little bit too far, and I don't know. And, and all you said was, go for it. But you forget who I was married to. I mean, I, I'm used to unusual concepts that not everyone is going to embrace immediately. So. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. No, I was thinking, but, you know, before the, uh, before the show, I was thinking that I, I've come through some experiences that, uh, that I've seen things that have made me, you know, skeptical and sometimes cynical and uh I sometimes have kind of gotten hooked up in that, and I and um, I was realizing that that you probably have in your own way, but you've always kind of taken the high road. And 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 the funny thing is, we have sort of two ways of coming at things, but we end up pretty close to agreeing on the same thing, which I have found kind of fascinating. Oh yeah, especially among other things, our predictions for the. Uh, Coming year, I mean, when we when we did that and we were comparing notes, um, we were both very accurate, I think, on a lot of things. And and you yeah. know, of course, we're not we're not all the way through the year yet. But I would say that yeah, our, our accuracy, we might our be accuracy. more accurate. I think you might be more accurate than you realize before the year is over. Uh, that's a little horrifying. The threshold of really just going chaos, you know, with this thing you. If the Ukraine breaks into war, then a whole lot of stuff is going to start happening. Yeah, that's true. But for some reason, we need to go through this process yet again. I guess. It's very frustrating. <laughs> I guess. I, I, I guess. I'm, I'm really, I'm just so weary of doing it through conflict, you know. Why don't we just say, okay, conflict doesn't work, let's try peaceful. Peace is, some, I forget where I heard it, but someone said it just recently. Peace is much more difficult than than war. Uh, well, I'd like to find out. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm getting kind of wary of the conflict principle, you know, and uh, just letting uh, people be well, so but, ignorant of the control over their life and so oblivious to how they're being maneuvered and used and but well you know I yeah and, and the thing is there's there's nothing you or I can do. We can certainly put information out there and people can take it and use it or not. But yeah. um you know this time around it doesn't appear it's the time it, it's a time when peace is going to reign supreme. 
So, yeah. you know. No, I, I'd be all for it. I think it would be great. And I forget who was it that set, said it, and I think it was the president, and I don't remember which one, but I'm sure somebody will Google it fast, who said that the only thing that would pull us together as a, as a species would be in, be a threat from outside of the Earth's plane. Oh, that was Ronald Reagan. Oh, okay. That, that was Ronald Reagan, I think in the 80s, maybe, late 80s. Yeah. And it looks like that's going to happen, but it looks like what's going to happen is going to be contrived in such a way to to make it look so fearsome that it's just a, it could be used for another tool of control rather than enlightenment. And that's what appears to be. It appears that it's being set up that way. You know, oh yeah, they're here, but they're scary and they're going to take over the planet, and and you know we all have to. Uh, participate in the whole uh, denial of freedom and blah, 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 which gets kind of well, also... So much of late over the last decade has been contrived that it's very hard to know what is true and what is not. And it's yeah, our obligation, I think, as individuals to question everything. And there's nothing wrong with questioning or asking for proof. And and if, yeah, if that, somebody... That's that's good on a level of truth, but that doesn't go happen out in the the world that we live in. Because if you do that, you threaten everyone who's lying and uh, put your life and your limb and your family in jeopardy. You know. Has to start someplace. Yeah, but when but it has to start somewhere. More and more people are waking up and asking those questions, and um, you know, it's it's looking like there may be a positive change rather than. You know, going into total chaos. Oh, I would, I, I would bet you money that we avoid total chaos, but we may hit the fringes of it before we get there. Yeah, yeah, there's going to be some, there's going to be some discomfort for a lot of lives. But there already is. I mean, when you look at at this planet and and you know most of the countries, there is such. Devastation and 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 yeah. The, yeah. The, job, yeah. Yeah. the job market and homeless and all of that. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's global. It isn't just us. Yeah. It's global. Yeah, yeah. and it's and, getting more. And you know, don't don't get me going on corporate politics <laughs> and something. Like just yeah, not well, going you, there. We only have fourteen minutes, so you can't get going too far. <laughs> I could get my soapbox out in a heartbeat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, <laughs> no, but but the, the reality is, there's so much. I've, I've tried soapboxing and I'm kind of giving up on soapboxing. I what I can do is take care of myself, and I'm just on a massive program of trying to clear things out. You know, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and just clear out the cobwebs and be. You know, all I can do is be true to myself. Well, that's a good start, and you know, yeah. I, I I do believe that if everybody did that, we we'd have a much better world. And I don't think there's there's anything you know, we if we do it on an individual basis, and enough of us do it, then we make a difference. Yeah, I, absolutely. But sometimes you wonder if there's enough of us. Well, it's a big planet. There are lots of people out there, and. You know, it's got to start somewhere. It's got to start sometime. 
and and it comes with the awareness and it comes with the understanding and it comes with the insight and it it, it it's something that that will it's it's a spiral along with everything else and and you know i think it's been it's been simmering beneath the surface for generations and i think it's coming more and more and more into the common venue and and my god give it another four or five centuries and we'll be in great shape or we'll yeah. have wiped ourselves out and started again on the spiral one way or another yeah it's a long but, time but, well, well, I, I, there, there, there are those out there predicting that that it's going to take another 800 years. There are others that say it's less time than that. But, but you know, well, there's, I, I there's just also, yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, you you, you just look at a hundred years ago at, at how far we've come in a hundred years, I, 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 technology-wise and things like. But, but the awareness is a lot slower than the technology for some reason. Yeah. Under, uh, understanding the inner cosmology and and the inner workings of a spirit is taking a lot longer for humanity to understand than um, than one would hope, and yet the technology is leaping ahead by it by leaps and bounds. But but, yeah, but yeah. you know what else yeah. they're doing though is they're rewriting history and they're ignoring other parts of history. And they're wiping out some of our antiquity. I mean, they're just absolutely screwing up, no, you know, nobly. Yeah, I, I know that. And it's frustrating because people don't want to see it. I know. There's that's another place. People that understand that. But if you, if you go to Bubba and his beer-drinking friends, that the biggest thing of the year is to watch Alabama beat uh, Auburn, you know, they're, you're not going to get too far. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't. You're right. <laughs> but but you'd be surprised at at um the number of people that are really looking and that are really well, seeking. Yeah, I, I I think that uh I would agree there's there is a deep restlessness and there are a large people group of people that realize that something's not right. And they're not quite ready to really understand how deep it is or get involved in it, but they're close to the threshold. Oh, yeah. And if they come on board, then there could be a massive change, a, a, a massive positive change. Well, I'll tell you where, the, where one of the biggest stumbling blocks is. They want to be spiritually awakened, but they don't want to take responsibility for having it happen within their own life. Yeah, amen. <laughs> you noticed <laughs> that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little, just a little. Well, yeah, you know, um, but then I've I, I resisted and struggled my own stuff too. So you know, it, it's just it's it, it's a very difficult part of letting go of human ego and and pride and attachment to those things and. Uh, well, yeah, and. When I tell people that they're responsible for their own lives and what happens within their lives, I get such guff back. I get, you know, oh, no, look at what's happened to me. Well, if you don't like it, change it. Do something. It's up to you. You know, read about the different universal laws. Understand how they work within your reality, how they apply to your spirit. 
and use them to make better choices. But that's yeah. work. Of course yeah, it's work. <laughs> yeah, it is. Cause, I mean, I, I, I would almost repeat the words that, that I've been saying lately. Is you, is the application of universal laws and uh, I'm trying to, to, to do that myself now, you know, to get out of the the victimhood cycle of my family and lifetimes of, you know, sort of self-punishment and self-abuse and and start working. And I, I think you, we talked about it. You see it in my writing. You see it in the website. And uh, I'm coming Absolutely. out of it, too. Yeah, and it's... it's um it, it's just amazing, and, and but the thing is, I mean, with you and your stuff and me with my stuff, we're not effective unless we're actually walking the talk. Yeah, and that's the biggest. That's the biggest. That, that's the that's the absolute biggest thing there is because yeah, you yeah, can't that's convince. Yeah, you, well, you can't convince anybody of anything if you haven't lived it, and and. And 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 applied the lesson to your own life. And if you haven't done that, then you're not a teacher. You're just a parrot, and you don't belong in the in in the job. But you know, I and and I have my moments. But but for the most part, you know, taking the higher road is always the easier way to go, even though it's usually more uphill. But um, <laughs> always more uphill. But but um it's it, it sometimes it's hard to see where the higher road is and and sometimes you have to step back and really um do a do a, a wipe of some sort and say okay you know what am i missing here what i what am i supposed to learn how do i learn it and get on with it and and you know you have to do that reality check and so ma- so many people are just um they just respond to circumstances without thinking, and I do that sometimes too. So you know, it's it's it, it, it's human to to stumble because that's why we're here, and and yeah. I, you know, I revel in being human. Well, I'm tired of stumbling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, if you were perfect, if I was perfect, we wouldn't be here. Yeah, I've heard it, that before, and I think there's probably some truth to it. Yeah, I would think so. I would think that if we were perfect, we would be on another plane learning more lessons and, and uh, probably having to relearn some of the stuff we thought we knew. So, I'd like um, to try that out. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I'd like to I'd like to try and see a week on on a pleasant Venus on the you know the third plane of Venus and um, beautiful and carefree and dancing and harmony and color and uh, we'll get there someday. Well, you know, put your reservation in. You never know. I mean, yeah. you don't know. None of us know. I the people that tell me that this is their last lifetime, they're not coming back, are the ones that I'm positive are going to have to come back. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I kind of find that to be true too. Well, it, but just you know, the reality here is I'm having a very good time. I mean, you know, every now and then I grumble a lot, but 
but I really am enjoying myself. So, um, you know, even though there are struggles, even though there are lessons, even though, you know, whatever befalls, I'm still having a great time. I'm meeting wonderful people. I'm enjoying myself. I'm talking to people about paradigms and philosophy that, that, that 20 years ago I never would have understood a word of what you said, but, but I actually did today. And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a very exciting thing. Um, I guess, you know, past a certain age, learning is such an exciting process, it's unbelievable. I think we go back yeah. to that childlike, that childlike quality of, of, oh, what more can I learn? What, you know, tell me, teach me, show me something new. And, yeah, um, kind of true. I'm trying to feel like that, too, you know, the golly gee effect. Yes. Holy, gee, that's the thing. <laughs> Holy mackerel, I never knew that before. And, yeah, you know... Yeah. And I think if we continue to learn and grow, that, that, that that's what stretches our lifetime and gives us the joy and the fun and the excitement of it. And and what better example to other people that, that you know, we have not rolled up in a little ball and are sitting in a nursing home waiting for God. We're, we're <laughs> you know, if God wants to find me, he has to come and find me. I'm not going to wait around. Yeah. So, you know, and, and well, he probably... We- Yes, sir. No, he probably doesn't want to have a foot race right now. <laughs> Before we run out of time, I it's getting close. Um, I, I repeat again that you've given me an opportunity to share my greatest joy, and I really thank you for having the confidence and and pre- presenting a a supportive space for this to happen. Because uh, I'm very pleased, and I'm very appreciative of of your. Um, support ah well you know and and just briefly um we met because i i put your book up on my website a very long time ago and you actually wrote me a letter and thanked me which i thought was the coolest thing ever so um no i i have always respected your work and i think it's phenomenal and anytime you want to try something new out you just let me know and we'll book the time and do it yeah well you never know, you know. I could wake up at 4 o'clock in another morning with another one and I'll email you. Okay, you do that. Uh, but but I do want to thank you so much. You 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 have, as always, been informative and a joy to have on. And I I, I am so glad that, that you know, I, I've had the opportunity to help you out here. And uh, yeah, you've, taught, you've, ta- you've taught me and a ton of people uh, whole bunches of new stuff that we'll all be chewing on for a very long period of time. We we may want to get you back in another couple of months to kind of give us a brush up on all of this. Yeah, I think that would be kind of fun, you know, to just kind of maybe refresh it and then and, and toss it out to the to the listeners and see where they're at and uh, where we're at and great. Sounds good to me. But until then, I want to thank you again, and yeah. I will be talking to you soon. Okay, and thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for being here tonight and for listening and for sharing. Um, I, I, I get such great joy out of having people on the show that um, have such great information there. And I am so glad that, that you guys were here and that you listened and and. 
uh, I hope that you learned as much as I did. So thank you very much, and good night, guys. cut fries, and an ice cold Coke, all for just $4. No one makes $4 sound as good as Wendy's. Get more for four, the four for four meal deal, now at Wendy's. Offer includes small fries and drink at participating Wendy's for a limited time. Prices may vary. Offer not valid in Alaska and Hawaii. Fresh ground beef available in the contiguous U.S. and Canada.